0: you're a California conservative, a libertarian, a moderate Democrat, believe in common sense, or just a sane person, this is the political podcast for you. It's the California Underground Podcast. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, a little bit of a different look today. So let's get some house cleaning out of the way. Thank you, uh, everybody, who has joined on. A lot of new people, I think, are going to be joining on this morning. So if this is your first time joining to and Cal- Coffee in California Politics... Ooh, my coffee hasn't even hit in yet. Um, I will get to Disneyland in a second. Uh, I was in Disneyland yesterday. Uh, if this is your first time on Coffee in California Politics, we do this every Wednesday live at 9 a.m it's the point is that you the listener or the follower can come here on instagram um and we can discuss topics related to california sometimes it's not even just related to california we can just talk about what's going on uh politics wise uh and that's really the point of this is that it's an interaction it's just us chatting having coffee um talking about politics talking about things that are going on um In terms of if now you're seeing this big mic in addition to the little mic, it is because you, the feedback, the listeners told me that you would love to hear an audio version of Coffee in California Politics so that if you don't make it to the live at 9 a.m. Because I know a lot of people are like just getting to work or maybe they're busy or something and they just can't hop on at that time. So now what's going to happen is every Coffee in California Politics is going to be recorded as a podcast episode. So you will now see coffee and California politics pop up as another episode. I can't figure out whether it's going to be, um, whether it's going to be like, is it, is I'm still trying to figure out is coffee and California politics, a different episode. Does it just count towards another episode? Like, I can't figure that out. I think I'll just probably keep labeling as new episodes. Um, but that just is more feedback. Other feedback is that we're going to be switching the live stream of the weekly podcast to 8 p.m. at night, because I know a lot of you guys have said that 8 p.m. works a lot better for you so that you can hop on the live stream. You can interact with the guests that we have on. Um, There's a lot of guests who are lined up who want to hop on this show. I'm excited about them coming on because this is a platform and a space that I created for people in California to hop on and feel like they are connected with other people. And that they don't feel so alone. That's sort of the name why it's called California Underground is because you could feel like you're sort of maybe conservative, maybe a moderate Democrat, maybe you're anything right of like far, far left uh, here in California. And you feel like you really can't speak up and you kind of feel like you're in a secret society. So the point of California Underground is that you have a place to go to chat with people. And in addition, we launched last week a Discord server so that the conversation doesn't have to wait until 9 a.m. every Wednesday. We can now have a Discord server where we sit and we chat, we share articles, people can organize, they can get in touch with other people around California. And that's basically it. So that's all the housekeeping for today. Uh, I just wanted to give everybody an update. I know there's a lot of new people who are hopping on. Thank you to all the new people who have hopped on whether it was thanks to Corinne Tatum or my guy, I can't, I still can't get over the fact that it was Candace Owens yesterday who name dropped me. Um, so all those people who have jumped on, thank you so much for hopping on and joining. I will, uh, continue to work really hard to provide informative content that you were looking for, especially on California politics and sometimes on national politics, because you know, national politics affects California politics as well. All right. So, uh, yeah, in turn, someone that said, how was Disneyland yesterday? I got questions of people saying, well, what was Disneyland like? I'll tell you right off the bat, the first burning question that everybody was worried about, there are no masks. There are no masks at Disneyland. Um, they didn't ask you about vaccination status. You just walked right into Disneyland. And I would say the overwhelming large majority of people were not wearing masks. Uh, and that was basically it. There were hand sanitizing stations you know, here and there. Um, yeah. And thank you everybody. Congrats. Thank you for the 10,000 followers. a big milestone for me. Um, but that's basically it. Disneyland was great. Walked uh, probably about a thousand miles. I feel like I kept walking. Um, my legs are killing me today. My whole body aches from walking around Disneyland so much. I did all the classic rides. I had never been there before. It was my first time at Disneyland. I had done the, let's see, we hit space mountain we hit Star Tours, um, Pirates of the Caribbean, um, Haunted Mansion, Small World, uh, and then Guardians of the Galaxy. And that was enough for me. Uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy kicked my butt. That is one hell of a ride. Um, you want to get your cardio in, yeah, go to Disneyland. That is for sure. And for all the people who are out there um, who are worried about whether you have to go to Disneyland, you have to wear a mask all day, it was no mask. Uh, how long was the line to get in? There was no line. I, I think I got spoiled on my first trip to Disneyland because there was a limited capacity. I mean, most of the rides we got in like 20 minutes. That was the longest we waited for any of the rides. Um, but I think after like July, they will be, I think it's, it's. Um, did you try the Dole I did not try the Dole Whip at Disney. We ate like everything, like the turkey leg, the corn dog, churros, all that stuff. Tried all the classics. I'd never been there before. Um, yeah, it was limited capacity after July. I think they're letting everybody back in. It used to be, it was just kind of like limited with like state residents. So now it's, everybody is going to be allowed in, and it's going to be a lot longer. So I got spoiled. We literally walked right up to the entrance and people were like sitting there waiting. They're like, Hey, you're the first ones today. Come on up. Um, so I, I, I understand I definitely got spoiled. Um, But anyway, let's talk about the hot topic that is hitting politics right now that um, I'm sure a lot of you have shown up or are new here uh, because of what is going on or uh, people who referred you to me. Uh, Nothing. I didn't see kids. No kids were wearing masks. So the person who asked, the kids were not wearing masks, really. Um, Padres Dodgers. Awesome. Yeah. Good to see full capacity. Also, I should say if you're an audio listener and you're listening to this Coffee in California Politics, you're probably sitting there going, What are you talking about and who are you talking to? Uh, we're on IG Live right now, so there's an interaction going on that you don't see if you're listening to this audio later, uh, but that's what's going on. So if you hear me kind of get stumbled or if you hear me get caught off track, it's because people are commenting. And this is the point, it's a conversation. Uh, the air requirement, I have no idea. I don't know. their like employee policies, but anyway, to the big topic that probably led most of you here to why you were tuning in for the absolute first time is what is going on with Candace and Kimberly Klasick. Um, I don't, I, I tried to follow what went on. I sort of saw what was happening. I saw Kimberly Klasick. I follow her on Instagram just cause I follow a lot of people to see what's going on, what they're, what they're going at. Um, and I saw that there was a tiff. I saw what was going on between her and Candace Owens. I said, "Oof, I don't know if you want to go after Candace Owens because Candace Owens does not play. She is not going to screw around. And if you call her out, she is absolutely going to call out you. Um, and they had started to talk about this idea that Kimberly Klasik raised a lot of money in her district. And I, can't, I think it's Maryland 7th uh, Congressional District. She raised about $8 million. Um, I've looked through her finances before, just like I've looked through, like most of you may have known, like the OGs. Most of you remember way back when I I looked through Major Williams' campaign uh, expenditures and his spending and all that stuff. And then I went through Joe Collins as well. Joe Collins has a lot of stuff that's a little questionable. Um, And... There's a lot of stuff with Joe Collins about like these new corporations that were formed like just a month or two before the election that were supposedly consulting companies that were set up in someone's apartment. That's weird. Um, Definitely catches your eye because you're like, why would you do that? Um, First of all, but Kimberly Klasick, I looked at her finances mostly because she raised eight point two five something million dollars, right? Which is a lot of money. And she threw a lot of money at this race. I will tell you right now about half of that went to this one company called Olympic media group and kick. Yeah. I am already thinking about it and planning it a video on Kim Klasik, sort of the same exact vein that I've done before where you can just look at the public knowledge. Um, but that'll probably be released later today. So just chatting about it now. Um, so I've looked through her stuff. I, I, I first I will say this about Kimberly Klasik. I want to give Kim the murder uh, murder murder. Why did murder come into my head? I want to give her the benefit of the doubt when it came to what was going on with Kimberly classic, mostly because I think she got swept up in what was going on. She got super popular. The president retweeted her video. Um, and that made a huge deal. And all of a sudden she became like an overnight sensation. Um, uh, and a problem with live. Sometimes you slip and you say something, you don't know why you say it. Um, And I think she kind of got swept up. A lot of people saw the opportunity. I will tell you this about political consultants. Political consultants are out to make money. So there are groups like Arsenal Media, um, Olympic Media Group. Those are some really big ones. Arsenal Media Group, you're probably really familiar with. Arsenal Media is a group that makes those big, fancy videos where, you know, they're walking around and they're like, Hey, I'm so-and-so I'm walking through my district. And this person who's currently office doesn't even know there is a district. And here's me walking. Um, It's the very popular Benny Johnson style of like, here I am. I'm in the district. The person you elected is out of touch. They don't really care about you. So Kimberly Clasic, Joe Collins. I mean, a lot of people have done the same thing. This other guy, Big Red or something, Big John or something. uh, He did it for Vegas and for Texas. He was he was running in both. Or he ran into different races, but did the exact same thing where he's like, hey, I'm in Texas now and I'm wearing a cowboy hat and here's me walking through Texas. So that's sort of what they do. And they make a lot of money. I think Arsenal Media made about four hundred and fifty thousand dollars just off of Kim Klasik herself. They've made hundreds of thousands off people like Joe Collins. Um, Yeah, Benny Johnson, good for him. If he's getting paid and he's doing a job and it's his videos are catching eyeballs, that's his job. That's what he's supposed to do. Um, So no hating on Benny Johnson if that's that's his game and that's what he's doing. You know, God bless him. If he's the best video producer in the game for politics and he's making these videos and they're garnering millions of dollars, then he's doing a good job. That's what his whole thing is. Um, So Arsenal Media is an example of one of those type of political consulting companies that make a lot of money off of this and they may not necessarily care if you're in a winnable district or not. Same thing with Olympic media group where she spent about $3.5 million on them. So what happens is, is you enter into these agreements with these media companies, they will create a whole media package for you for advertising. Um, And then what happens is, is that they will go out, they'll push you and then they make money back on how many donations you get. So if you raise a crap ton of money, thanks to Olympic media, they take a lot of the percentage themselves or you're responsible to pay them back for a certain amount. So think about it this way. Outside of Olympic media, Kimberly Classic raised about 8.25 million, 3.5 of that, almost half of that went to just one company. Uh, did that company necessarily help her win the race? I don't know. She says that it's a win because she picked up 4,000 Voters or 6,000 voters or something like that in a heavily Democratic district, but you still got clobbered 27% of the vote. That's all you got uh, for $8 million. And again, political consultants really don't have an interest, a vested interest in you winning. They have a vested interest in you making money. Uh, and that's what it really comes down to. And I think more of these con- political consultants may have to get. Um, I mean, I doubt they would because they want to make money. And it doesn't matter if you're in a long shot district and you're raising like Joe Collins raised $10 million. He made a lot of money for him. Why would they feel like they need to limit themselves? Um, is it irresponsible a little bit because you have these political consultants who aren't sitting down with people and saying, Hey, you know, this district that you're running for is really lopsided. Okay. And you, there's really no pathway to victory for you here. And it's really a gamble for them. So I, I don't know if, I don't think political consultants would ever do that. I wish they would. I wish they would sit down with a lot of these candidates and go, look, we'd love to work with you, but we only work with people in districts that are winnable or that are D plus 10 according to the cooks index political index Bowl. Um. So that's really what it comes down to is that these political consultants are making a lot of money. Now with that said, That was my whole thing about why I gave her the benefit of the doubt. And I said, look, I think she just kind of got swept up in all of this. And I think she just didn't realize what was happening. She made a video, her and Benny Johnson made a video. It took off like wildfire. It's like anything on social media. Sometimes things just pick up, you know, the president retweets it. And all of a sudden you're off to the races, you're making millions of dollars and you don't really know what's going on. And, and you're at the center of this and you kind of, you, you're trying to like, as they say, I guess, like wrestle a tornado by the tail or something like it's, it's kind of hard to do. Um, so I gave her the benefit of the doubt. Even the Washington post had said to her or quoted her saying that she admitted this was basically a racket that like political consultants are making a lot of money off candidates like me. Um, so after that, I just said, I think she just got swept up in it. Um, and now she, I was going to just say, let's just leave it. She just got swept up in it. Now what happened with her and Candace, I will, I don't know what prompted her to go after Candace. I don't know. Did Candace say something first? I don't really, I, you know, I, I couldn't find what the nexus was. She deleted a lot of her tweets and her videos. Uh, I did see what Candace said back to her, uh, but I didn't really know what started that whole rift between the two of them. Now, if there was an issue or why she wanted to start uh, some sort of beef with Candace, wouldn't you want to work together with Candace? And it it comes off as she now went out. Oh, okay, let me back up a little bit. Another oh, it was the Juneteenth. Okay, thank you. See, this is why coffee in California Politics is great. You guys are giving me the information live on the air right now. Um, so yeah, there was a whole thing about the Juneteenth post. Um, and then Kimberly Clasic says something about it. Now there's a whole rift between the two of them. Um, I love it when Candace Owens called her Miss 27%. I was like, Oof, really hit her right in the gut right there. Um, the problem is, is like, if you got swept up in a political race, this is how I view it. If you got swept up in a political race, and political consultants uh, made millions of dollars off of you, and you even admitted to the Washington Post and said, "Hey, uh, you know, I sort of got swept up in this. Woof, this was quite the crazy roller coaster ride. You know, I've learned from this. Um, I've learned that we need to get a better ground game. I, uh, I've learned that." we need to fix the voter registration, we need to even it out, stuff like that. Like, I think if she had come away from that and said, wow, you know, I went through the meat grinder, the, 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 the hot lights of the spotlight, the heat from the spotlight kind of got to, and like, now I'm, now I know what's wrong and now I know how to fix it. Uh, she has this nonprofit called Red Renaissance, which is supposedly supposed to register voters, sort of like a Stacey Abrams sort of thing, or maybe like a Blexit sort of thing uh which i'll get to in a second i'm going to talk more about in the video when i actually release it when i get finished uh if you would come away from this race like that and said i learned a lot and i want to make it better i want to improve upon it then that makes a lot of sense if you come away from getting your butt handed to you for a lack of a better term by only winning 27% and maybe gaining a couple thousand votes and pretending like that's a huge victory lap for you to take. Um, I, I think you are kind of detached from reality and you may be in your own head or someone's telling you you're more important than what you really accomplished. Um, the truth of the matter is you lost by a lot. You lost in a very unwinnable district and to kind of pat yourself on the back and say, Oh, I registered a couple thousand or a couple people came over to my side after that. And we just got to keep chipping away. Okay. Well, how many cycles do you think we need to spend $8 million, $8.25 million on this district to flip it? Keep in mind when there are districts that would have benefited from $500,000. I've spoken with candidates who have said, if I had an extra $250,000 in the bank, I probably could have won. And you're talking about, Congressional, you're talking about state leaders, you're talking about state legislatures, county supervisors, stuff like that. If you had spread $8 million around, you know, and I hate to sound like a socialist where it's like, you know, spread the wealth around, but if you had redirected all those funds, $8 million, to different competitive races, there's a good chance we would probably not be talking about Speaker Pelosi right now. That's really what it comes down to. And I know some people have said to me, well, we have to fight someplace. We have to absolutely fight someplace. Why are we giving up on everything? I I think you should go on offense everywhere that it's competitive. And I think Republicans do a bad job of that. I think they don't push the envelope in a lot of districts where they could win, where they could possibly change the district or flip the district like a Mike Garcia here in California. Um, Tamika Hamilton, I bring her up a lot. She lost by only 4% um, in a district to flip a district. So there's a lot of people out there who were very, very close to flipping districts and flipping seats. And the point is, would you have rather flipped how many seats so that we're not talking about Speaker Pelosi or worrying whether Joe Manchin is going to vote yes or no on H.R. 1 because H.R. 1 wouldn't even exist if that were the case, if there was no Speaker Pelosi and no Democratic House and we could absolutely stalemate the Biden administration. Wouldn't that be better than saying, well, Kim Klasich picked up 2000 votes in Maryland seven and yeah, we made a really good showing. In my mind, it's not even a choice. It's not even a clear choice or a hard choice. It's I would rather not have Nancy Pelosi as speaker, and I would much rather have a Republican House that is going to gum up the work for the Biden administration so that he can't do anything outside of executive order, which executive orders, just like they did to Trump, can be taken to court and get a TRO slapped against them. And then they're stuck in court for four years. We could have effectively made the Biden administration, a neutered administration that doesn't get anything done for four years, which would have then opened the pathway for a contender to come in and say, Hey, look at the Biden administration. They promised student loan forgiveness. They promised all this stuff. They promised pre- universal preschool. They promised $15 hour minimum wage. They didn't get anything that of that done for you. You're going to vote for them again. That's a huge liability when you don't have legislative wins. And right now, the Biden administration, even with that, doesn't really have any legislative wins. HR1 looks like it's basically on life support, which is good. Thank you, Joe Collins and not Joe Collins, Joe Manchin. Uh, Joe Collins is not in Congress. No matter how many times he runs against Maxine Water, he probably won't beat her. Um, He'll probably have to run against her a thousand times before he actually tries to chip away at her lead. And that's what I try and tell people. That's the difference. The difference is there is a limited amount of resources that we have to give to different candidates. And if $8 million is going to a race that is absolutely unwinnable, that is a waste of $8 million, in my opinion. And I know people are going to say, well, we have to go on offense and we can't just give up. Sure, Democrats do it too, though. Like, it's not it's not a Republican thing or a Democrat thing it's a logistical thing. It's a logistical reality that there's only so much money that you can actually put into a lot of these races and that there's only so much money you can raise. You can't raise unlimited amounts of money for all these different races. There are limits. There are as campaign finances and stuff like that, that, you know, restrict people from actually raising as much money as they want. Um, But at the end of the day, Democrats do it, too. Democrats put up someone and they say, well, this is an unwinnable district. Republicans have won this district, you know, the past eight cycles. And it's a plus 25 or plus 30 Republican district. They're going to look at that. And Democrats are smart enough to say we're not going to dump eight million dollars into this race because we know if we put eight million dollars, like a million dollars into this race to fend off a challenger or a million dollars into this race to fend off a challenger. It works. And you see it here in California all the time. One of uh, the local politicians who's been on this podcast, Melanie Burkholder, you can go back and watch the video or listen to the audio podcast. Melanie Burkholder is running for state assembly here in California, state legislature. She raised, I think, $400,000, somewhere in that range, like between three to $500,000. That's a lot of money for a state assembly seat, right? She was outspent by her opponent by like millions of dollars. Yet the race was very close. It was like within four or 5%. Now imagine if Republicans had said, wait, that race or California GOP had said, wait, that race was that close. And she did it with only $500,000 compared to $3 million that her opponent had, then we could have given her a million dollars or helped her or pumped her up so that we could have beat him. And it's likely we would have flipped a state assembly seat. Um, you know, there's plenty of different examples of there were races that were very, very close. And if we had, if they had $500,000 or someone gave a million dollars to them, they could have run the table and they could have won that district and flipped a seat. Um, and Democrats are smart enough to know that there's a limited amount of resources. And if they know that it's close and they know there's a challenger who could beat them, they will dump a million dollars into a race to absolutely just obliterate them to obliterate the other side. And in reality, like Republicans have to get better at that because, there's really good candidates out there who are making a run for it and bringing it really, really close within a couple percentage points on shoestring budgets. And if we had spread that $8 million out to other places, then at the end of the day, we could have a completely different political makeup in this country right now. So, but going back to Kimberly Klasick and why I think she has not handled it and I've changed my opinion on her is because now she's taking a victory lap as if she did this big, wonderful thing in Maryland district. You lost, like you lost, you got your ass handed to you. Excuse my language. Um, you lost, and there's no way to else to say it. You lost by a lot. It wasn't like you lost by 4% or under 5%. You lost by a lot and there's no reason to take a victory lap. If she had come out and said, I learned, uh, I know what I need to do, I'm gonna set up this nonprofit, I'm gonna work real hard. I uh, wanna talk about that nonprofit in a second. Um, and I wanna do what Stacey Abrams does, which is what she said this past week. And she talked about how Stacey Abrams does such a good job, and we're all just infighting. Look at us Republicans infighting, being dumb, and conservatives are infighting. Will you have a nonprofit? You have a nonprofit called Red Renaissance which according to the record sheet, according to the FEC filings, your campaign made a five thousand dollar contribution to to start. Right. Okay, it's not much. You had eight hundred thousand dollars on hand after the campaign was over. So you could have dumped a lot of money into this nonprofit to actually make it something. Uh, You dumped five thousand dollars into it. According to the FEC, you haven't spent any of that money. It's basically been parked in the Red Renaissance nonprofit not doing anything. So what have you been doing to change the voter makeup so that Maryland seven or the district you ran in is even more competitive. So instead of sending out tweets that are just wow conservatives shouldn't be in fighting, this is horrible. And like, I'm, I'm rising above this and why are you calling me out? It's like, you have a platform, you have millions of followers. You could easily raise a lot of money for a nonprofit that could do a lot of good in Baltimore, but you have not done any of that yet. And I I don't know what else she's involved in. I haven't looked that far into her, but if you have something like Red Renaissance, which is a political action committee, and you can help and get involved, why aren't you using that to its maximum potential? Why aren't you getting voters registered Republican? Why aren't you supporting other candidates? Why aren't you vetting other candidates? Um, And that's something to me that makes it seem like okay. So you didn't really learn from your run. Uh, another thing is she, she did the whole, like, you know, I lost because of, um, I lost because I I don't know. She said it was voter fraud and she sued because she thought she was cheated out of a lot of votes. I'm like, look, I know a lot of people say this as well in districts where Democrats have such a large majority of votes, they don't have to cheat. Okay. They just don't have to. They may try and cheat or fudge some numbers in very close districts where they know maybe we could pull the wool over a Republican and flip the seat because it's within a couple percentage points. Those are the ones you might fudge a couple numbers. You notice that it's like most of the issues that we've had with the 2020 election were in close battleground states, Georgia, Arizona, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Michigan, all those places, Pennsylvania. It's because they were close. There was, there was not a lot of evidence of like a huge effort in like, I don't know, like a Wyoming, like they weren't worried about Wyoming or like in California uh, as of as of what I'm not just I'm not disclaiming that stuff doesn't happen in California. Stuff does happen in California, but in places like California, sometimes they just like we don't need to. We have such a voter registration. Um, then when she came out and said, well, I was a, a, a victim of voter fraud and, and this and I'm blaming it on this. That's why I lost. No, you just lost because it's an unwinnable district. That's it. So to sort of sum it up, and then we can start getting into some chatting and some comments. I know people want to probably hop in and get some comments in here, because that's the point of coffee in California politics, is not for me to just sit here and do like another podcast episode. Yeah, the point of coffee in California politics is we sit, we chat, we have coffee, uh, we talk, uh, we talk about all sorts of subjects, whether they're like Rhode Island, it's neither a road nor an island, or we talk about politics. Um that's the point of this. So my final thought is this Kimberly Clasic, instead of taking the L and saying, I, I, I got my butt handed to me and I should just take that graciously and learn from it and reach out to other leaders in these inner cities and say, like, hey, here's an issue and we need to figure out how to go at these inner cities and fix it. Okay. I have a platform, I have millions of followers, I'm connected to social media accounts like a Benny Johnson that have millions of followers. Uh, It seemed like Candace Owens was on your side, she wanted to have you on her show, she has millions of followers. You could have raised an inordinate amount of money and really done some change in these inner cities, not just Baltimore, you could have done it in Detroit, you could have done it in New York, you could have done it in all these different places where you could have gotten your message out and you could have started to make change like a Stacey abrams and really just make a change for the better and say like this is our issue i got clobbered because there's just a bad voter registration and we need to get more voters to republicans rather than have them just be democrats because once you have republican voters they're most likely going to vote for republicans um but instead of taking that l now she's trying to say like she did such a great job and she's so fantastic and this was a huge win in Baltimore. It wasn't a big win. And then now she's going after Candace Owens and now she's getting up in Candace Owens, business and Candace Owens is not someone who's going to obviously take it laying down and Candace Owens is going to go at you and she's going to, she's going to give you the facts. She's going to give you everything straight. Um, And that's, that's basically it. So now she's got herself in a bad place where people are taking a second look at her. They're taking a second look at her and saying, are you for real? Or are you just, are you just swept up in being a political celebrity now? Because we have a lot of political celebrities. We don't have a lot of people who really want to be politicians. We have a lot of people who just want to be political celebrities, a la like an AOC or somebody like that. Like you don't really want to get stuff done. You just want to be a political celebrity where you can go on Instagram and you have 3.7 or, you know, 4 million or whatever. How many millions of followers? That's really what happens. Um, So at the end of the day, she should have just not really taking this as a victory lap. I, you need, you need to see some action on her part. Um, and as of right now, I don't see that action. It's been almost a year now that she lost. Um, we're coming up on a year that she lost and, um, that's basically it. She wants to start an investigation into Blexit saying Candace is a fraud. Can you really say she wants to start? Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, I, I don't know much about Blexit. Um, so, but I know the people who run are involved in Blexit, and I don't think I would not believe that would be hard for me to believe that there's some sort of big fraud or pyramid scheme going on with Blexit. Um, you know, I, I've I've been in contact with like Corinne Tatum, uh, her husband Brandon Tatum, also involved in Blexit with Candace. Um, there's no reason for me to think that anything fraudulent is going on. Um, so, anyway, so. Give me your comments, your feedback. What did you think about what's going on between Kimberly um, and Candace? Let me take a sip of my coffee because I rambled for a little bit. Um, Today is the Monopoly mug. Since we're talking all about money and funny money, you know, money that seems to not matter to people. I went with the Monopoly mug. Why didn't Candace report this to the authorities if Kim really has scammed a ton of people? It's not scammed. That's the issue. And it, it's not scammed because scammed would mean that there was some she used the money. She used the money to run for office. She used the money on political consultants, very expensive political consultants. Um, and going through her finances like I've been doing since last night, there's a lot of them like going through her expenditures and stuff like that. It's not bad as like Joe Collins, where Joe Collins set up things, these like shell corporations months, literally months before the election to be political consultants. Um, And for the audio version, I'm doing air quotes for political consultants because I don't think they're political consultants. Um, Anybody can really set up a a corporation at the last minute and say, oh, I'm just going to, you're a political consultant now. So here's $30,000. He also donated money to a company that didn't even exist legally until two months afterwards, which could be a violation because that's not even a real company. Um, so, But so far, and I will say this, I'm about halfway through a lot of her stuff, a lot of it is on the up and up and they are real companies. So it's not scammed in the sense of like, she took your money and she spent it on like, you know, diamond rings and all this stuff. Like everything has a legitimate reason or she can claim like, a very thinly veiled legitimate reason, like staying at the Trump Hotel in Washington, D.C., one of the most expensive hotels in Washington, D.C. She stayed there numerous times. Um, You know, Raleigh Oyster Bar, which sounds like a very fancy restaurant. She spent a lot of money there as well. Um, So I don't I wouldn't say she scammed him. I think the thing is, and we have to get better. We have to take some responsibility as well, where we say, we have to see if like you see a campaign commercial for a candidate and you say, Hey, I really like this candidate. Um, I think they look like they got some, you know, they got some, some personality, um, and it looks like they could actually take them on. I think we need to get better at vetting. And if you've, you know, after I release this video of Kimberly Klasic, and I'll show you exactly what I do, And the thing is, this is not a secret. This isn't like some big secret formula that I only have access to. Anybody can do this. Um, and you can go find this information out for yourself. And it's very easy to do. It's all public knowledge. Um, I did see that thing about businesses that didn't exist. What I do is I cross reference every business I see that I don't recognize. So a lot of like the repeats because, they'll usually just repeat a lot of their expenditures, like the same ones over and over again. Um, so like one of them, I couldn't find anything about, which was called integrated solutions colon political. Um, so, uh, to answer the question, I didn't get a chance to read the letter yet. I will read the letter. I'll let you know about it. Um, different subject about Kevin Kylie. There's rumors that he might be jumping into the gubernatorial race. Um, But that was one company I saw that I didn't really see. I know there were a couple other that Candace did mention, which I'm gonna keep my eye out for. But what I do is I literally just go through and I say, okay, this company, Arsenal Media, look up this company. If you can find them on DuckDuckGo, great. Do they look like a legitimate company? Yeah, do they look like they've been around for a while? Great, like Arsenal Media, they've been around, they've been established, they have lots of videos, they have a lot of, history, like Olympic media, also another big company, you start to cross-reference a lot of these businesses. And sometimes you'll see a business in there that doesn't really look like on the up and up. And you'll say like, huh, where'd that company come from? Look it up on DuckDuckGo. And I say DuckDuckGo because I don't, I I don't use Google anymore. I like DuckDuckGo. Um, Look them up. And if you can't find a website, that's usually a red flag right there because most businesses have a website, right? Like any business right now has a website, even if it's a bad website, then you look and if you can't find it, go on to the secretary of state because they tell you where the state is that they're incorporated. Um, once you can go and do that, a lot of these sites let you look up these companies when they were filed, they'll give you at least the information, like whether they're active, whether they're filed, whether they're in good standing, Um and sometimes you'll find that they don't even really exist. Like I found that a lot with Joe Collins that like you'd pull up a lot of these things, they didn't exist, or they were just filed months before the election. So those are things that's a way you can start to vet candidates. It takes some time. I'm not gonna lie, going through 483 entries for expenditures is a lot of work. Um, but it's not as much work as you think if you're sitting at home on your iPad watching reruns of you know your favorite sitcom or something, you can go through it and get through it pretty quickly. Um, and it's different for different candidates. So that's something else that should be kind of mentioned is FEC is for all federal candidates. That's the federal election commission. That's what FEC is for. So if you're in like California, I've shown you before how to do California. If you're running for a statewide position in California, you go to the secretary of California, secretary of state for California. And then even then, if you're going for like a municipal position, there's different municipal districts that like you have to look at and they'll give you the numbers as well. It's, it it requires a little bit of digging, but you can find it, it's out there. So to, to say that she was scamming people, I wouldn't say she was scamming people as much as like a Joe Collins was scamming people, Uh, because Joe Collins made about $10 million. And a lot of it, tens of thousands of dollars went to what I would call shady shell corporations that we have no idea what they do, where they're from. Um, if anyone is really doing it badly, it's it's Joe Collins. Um, every candidate should be vetted no matter what. People are sick of the shady lives. Yeah. And I think that's true. I think that's absolutely true. Like we need to do a little bit better job of vetting every single candidate. And that's something if you're new here, I've been saying this for a long time. You have to vet every single candidate, right? Because I think there's a, um, and there's I think maybe Candace brought this up. So I'm just kind of paraphrasing what what, what Candace said is that there is this kind of like yearning in the Republican Party for a lot of people to be attracted to the new black conservative politician. And there are a lot of great black conservatives in the party who are doing fantastic work, and I don't think they get nearly as much attention as somebody like a Kimberly Kasich. Um, And I think a lot of times it is the fault of the left kind of pushing race down our throat all the time and making everybody seem like everybody's racist and everybody on the right is racist, that there's this need for um, conservatives to basically jump to a black conservative and say, you know, look, I'm not racist. Look, I, I donated and I support Kimberly Klasick or I support a Joe Collins or I support a Major Williams. And I'm not afraid to say that because I think that's true. I think there's a lot of people kind of look at it and say, well, I'm just gonna support this person because I wanna show that I'm so not racist. And, and look, the left is really racist because like it becomes this like pissing match of like who's less racist. And what happens is that there are some bad actors who take advantage of that. And I'm, I'm again, there are fantastic, uh, black conservatives who are fighting in the party and doing really good stuff and are are right on the precipice of making a, a big splash in politics. Um, and they should be supported. They should they should be getting a lot of money because they're they're doing a great job. Um, but I don't think if we need to start to look at candidates in a much hard, like, yeah, I'm trying to figure out the right words to say this. I think we have to look past the race issue and just see if you're a good candidate or not. Like if let's say a white candidate did what Kimberly Klasick did, which is she ran in Maryland and she spent eight point two five million dollars. Would she be getting the same sort of leeway? I don't think so. I think a lot of people probably would have jumped on and said like, wow, you got your butt handed to you. Um, Same thing with the Joe Collins. I don't think there's a lot of people who would necessarily look at a Joe Collins and say like, is this guy exactly doing what he's supposed to be doing? If a white guy was Joe, if Joe Collins was white and he was running in LA against Maxine Waters and he raised $10 million and he lost and there was all this shady stuff. Do you think people would be giving him the benefit of the doubt? Do you think they'd be sitting there going, Hey, why did you give $30,000 to a company that was literally just formed weeks before you gave them $30,000? Like, who is it? Um, Carla for Congress says, I'm black and white. Um, Carla for Congress, you're running for Congress. Where are you running, Carla? What district are you specifically running? But I think Candace is right. I think that it's a lot of this this like white guilt that the left puts on conservatives to make them feel like they just have to unquestionably support any black conservative, um, regardless of whether they vet them or not. And I'm saying this, look at it, you know, through colorblind eyes and say like every single candidate needs to be vetted. Every single candidate needs to be questioned. Every single candidate needs to be figured out. What are you spending money on? Um, because I think, real Republicans or real conservatives or real people who are not like the left and use race behind everything and need the need race to justify everything. I think a lot of conservatives are just looking for people who want to do well for the country. They just want to find that candidate. um, No matter what your background is, what your ethnicity is, I think they just want to find someone who's going to do best for their state and for their country. And I think that's really what we have to start doing is saying, look, we just want who's best. That's it. We just want the best. Who is going to win this race? Who's going to do the best? Um, okay. So Carla's running for the California six up in Sacramento. Okay. Who's your opponent, Carla? Well, I take another sip of coffee. We got about 15 minutes left. Uh, so hit me with all your comments and questions. I've been rambling a lot today. I'm sorry. Sometimes I ramble. Sometimes it's, it's driven. But again, thank you to everybody. All the new people have showed up. This is great. Always tune in every 9 a.m., every Wednesday. We do this. We sit. We chat. Um, I'll rewatch once you post. Yeah. And and to that point, now it's going to I always post these on Instagram. So if you want to share them with somebody, if you're like, hey, this was really great. I like this live um, and you want to share it with other people and say, like, hey, this is the guy. This is the guy like Candace was talking about. You can send this out to other people on Instagram um, or you can listen to the audio version. So if you miss it, it, I always repost it. um, And that way you can get it and listen to it later. That's why my whole goal is to make it as easy and as accessible for listeners and followers to engage in this platform as possible. It's always my goal. Do you have a podcast or video showing how to vet a candidate on your own? Um, I don't have one specifically, but if you go back. To either the Joe Collins, if you go like right now, if you want to learn right now, if you go back to the Joe Collins or the um, Major Williams one, which was a long time ago, um, that was the first time uh, Corinne and I actually started communicating over this stuff. Um, I, I walk you through how to do it so you can see like how to do it on the state level and then Joe Collins, you can see on the federal level. I think in the Kimberly classic video, I'll probably just walk people through like, this is how you do it. And this is where you go to look at it. Um, I should start a political consultant. Uh, nah, I don't really have any interest to do that. Um, I'd be too honest with people and I'd be bad at getting clients. That's my problem. I'd be like, someone would come to me and be like, <laughs> someone would come to me and be like, I wanna run in this district. And I'd be like, okay, well that district's a D plus 30. So we're not gonna work with you because you're gonna lose. And my partners would be like, why do you keep turning away money and clients, even though we're a political consultant? I'd be like, OK, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't I don't think it's fair for them to waste money on political consultant that lies to them." Uh, is there a law in California allowing you to vote in California after you move out of the state for a certain period of time? Um, until you. Well, most states require you to register within a certain amount of time that's my understanding so like when you come to california you have to register to be a voter uh or a resident within a certain amount of time um okay there was some comments gonna go back uh yeah they're trying to push the driving tax here in san diego which a uh, little off topic so there you're going yep yeah, that was pretty big. When I saw that, I, I was, like, freaking out a little bit. That's pretty pretty incredible. Um, do, 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 do. So, Carlos running against Doris Matsui. Is Doris Matsui Republican Concer- or Democrat? Um, let's see. Other questions. Yeah, the driving tax, to me... And now we're getting into, like, California-specific topics. The driving tax we were not supposed to use, I thought the gas tax in California was sort of the flat tax to help with infrastructure. And now, um, now they want to do a gas tax and a driving, like how many per miles tax, uh, to me, that is just like, so you lie. I mean, we all knew like when they, anybody in California knows they lied about, what was going to what be done with the gas tax money. um? And now they're trying to push in San Diego uh, that they need a driving tax on top of the gas tax because the gas tax was kind of sold as, well, we all drive and we all, you know, it depends on how much you use the roads because based on how much gas you use, I mean, obviously if you drive more, you need more gas. So you pay more gas tax and, you know, that's how we're going to f- repair the roads as far as I know, the gas tax has been around for a while and we still haven't fixed a lot of the roads um, around here. A lot of the highways are still kind of falling apart. Um, And now they're trying to say, well, now we need to tax you per mile on top of the gas you use. And that just should be an admission of failure on the part of Democrats in this gas tax to say the gas tax didn't work or we're just really bad at implementing it. So it, it, it's um, it's something it's an angle I'm surprised a lot more San Diegans are not really pushing, which is you you one of the things you have to do when it comes to arguing in politics is you have to frame the argument the way you want to frame the argument that's beneficial to you. I mean that's how you win arguments. Um, you, and Republicans are really bad at falling into democratic talking points. and I've talked about this book before numerous times on this podcast but i'm going to repeat it again for all the new people who just hopped on found uh since the past couple days it's a book called don't think of an elephant and the point of it is is that you're not supposed to think of an elephant the exercise is teacher walks into a room give you the quick synopsis and he tells all of his students i want you to think about anything in the world for the next five minutes you can think about dinner you can think about whatever i mean you can think of the baseball game you watched last night um but whatever you do, don't think of an elephant, right? After five minutes, he goes around the room and he goes, okay, what did you think about? Someone goes, i be honest. I thought about Dumbo or I thought about circus elephants or I thought about elephants in the safari or I thought about, um, and the point of the exercise is that once you put that paradigm out there, it's hard to argue outside of someone else's paradigm. It's why Trump was essentially so good in the primaries was because he came in and he didn't say, well, I'm not going to argue in Ted Cruz's paradigm because I'd lose because Ted Cruz, that's his, his wheelhouse. He knows how to go around. That's what he specializes in. I'm not going to argue Marco Rubio's. So I'm going to come in and I'm going to talk about immigration and building a wall and Mexico is going to pay for it. Okay. Okay. Um, and once that happened, all of a sudden all the other candidates were like, wait, okay, now we're talking about immigration and building a wall like that. That's what everyone's talking about. Uh, Okay. Well let's, now we got to talk about why the wall is stupid and Trump would just be like, no, you're stupid. I want to protect my country. Um, and that worked. That's what it basically is, is when you, you set up the argument, you make the other side, argue in your paradigm? Um, And specifically, now getting back to what the gas tax is, Republican politicians should just go out and say, okay, you're pushing a driving per mile tax, so you've admitted that the gas tax didn't work. And they'll say, well, no, no, but yeah, but you've, that's what you've admitted, the gas tax doesn't work, because that was the whole reason you needed a gas tax, right? You needed a gas tax because the roads needed to be fixed, and your whole thing was, well, you only need to pay the gas tax if you drive a lot. So if you don't drive a lot, then you don't need to. But now they're pushing all these like hybrid cars. So they're not making as much money on the gas tax. Um, so you're admitting that you it was short-sighted and you lost. Right? Like, So you have to make the other side argue in your paradigm. And Republicans are not very good at that. They always argue in the Democrats paradigm. And Republicans have to get better at putting out new paradigms not just being the paradigm not just being the party of opposition not saying well we're against that too late you're already arguing against somebody's paradigm it doesn't work like that um you need to be a little bit more creative um sba and sb9 they will destroy our neighborhoods i don't know what those specifically are i haven't looked into them Um, but they are definitely on my radar right now okay we got about five minutes left Um, If anybody has any questions, comments, stuff you want to see, just want to say, Hey, what's up? Hey to all the new people. Um, Have you heard about the moving tax um, that they're trying to pass? I've heard about the tax that they're trying to get for a certain amount of wealthy people that if you leave, California. It's like a slow progression for 10 years. Um, over the course of the years, they will slowly reduce your tax that you owe to the state of California. And it takes like 10 years to get off of California. I don't even know if that's constitutional. I, I, I would assume that's like, that's, that could be brought up in court because I don't think you can just reach out and like grab old residents and be like, Oh, we're going to keep taking your money. Even though you've moved to the state under your own free will, because that's, the point of the United States is we can move around. Um, I would imagine there's a constitutional argument, a federal constitutional argument that that is not constitutional. Do you have info on Trimino? Um, I have a whole podcast with Tremino. If you go to the link in my bio um, and go to podcast episodes, it's episode 69. Uh, I went up to Orange County and sat and talked to Anthony Tremino. We had a nice long conversation, about an hour long Um, You can go and you can listen to the podcast there. So, yeah, that's that's the info I have. Go check it out. Um, Yeah, it's just the link in my bio. Click on podcast episodes and then you can scroll down and it's episode 69. Um, Yeah, it's it's I imagine it's got to be some sort of unconstitutional privileges and immunities argument that um, you can't tax people who left the state a long time ago. Thoughts on the drought? I'm afraid they're going to push climate change crap because of it. A lot of the water issues in California are absolutely self-inflicted in my mind. Um, I saw in the local news, supposedly San Diego, we're drought immune from for this summer and all the way until 2045. I don't know how they gauge that, but supposedly San Diego figured it out. Um, we're, so we're not worried about drought down here. But a lot of it is self-inflicted because we could easily and i've said this before when we talked about like the the calipublican platform here uh we could certainly create one we need to create more reservoirs and bigger reservoirs so that we're set up not just for the next year but for like five years um that fresh tijuana water oh yeah that yep comes up on imperial beach all the time um What was I going to say? Oh, we need to definitely, it's a two-step process in my mind, and I'm not a water expert, but I believe that like, we have to create a reservoir system that can bolster California, not just for a year or two years, but like for years and years and have enough water uh, to store up just in case so that we always have a backup of water. So even if we get hit with two summers in a row, we're not sitting here going, "Oh, well, we had enough water to get us through that one bad summer, but now we have two bad summers and we don't really know what to do. Not only that, we could, and the government, if they're so big into tech, and I'm not crazy about this idea, but sometimes you got to do which, you, you know, sometimes you got to play the hand you're given. There's got to be, I think, more of an incentive for the government in Sacramento to work with a private-public partnership, mostly just telling businesses that do desalination and stuff like that, hey... You go do what you need to do. We're going to stay out of your way. Anything we can do to help clear the way, let's do it. Let's set up desalination plants all over the coast of California because we're surrounded by the Pacific Ocean. There's lots of water there um, and that water eventually, once we desalinate, it comes up, it goes right back out into the ocean anyway. I mean, it's ultimate recycling. Uh, It's easy solutions, but instead it's easy to just go, well, this is because of climate change and because you drive an SUV. Great doesn't help the farmer in the Central Valley who needs to figure out how he's going to water his crops. So, and that's something that, that Democrats have gotten really lazy with. We're just going to blame everything on racism or climate change. And I think that, again, this kind of re- goes back to if you're a Republican or someone who's not Democrat and running against a, a Democrat, um, you need to put out new solutions so Democrats just can't be like, well, the reason... We need more tax dollars because of climate change. Really? Or is it because we're just not managing our resources effectively? And here's my solution. Now you figure out a better solution. Yeah, water equals food. You know, that's that's the basics of it, is that water equals food for the rest of the country. And we need it. We must fight for change in our local districts. Then we can work on the whole state. Yeah. I've said that before. For all the new people, we, we kind of throw around this... Uh, this political mantra, it's called progress to purple for California. Uh, It's like Georgia didn't get as close as it did, whether you want to believe it flipped blue or not overnight. I mean, they still did a good job registering a lot of democratic voters and flipping a lot of seats. California needs to be sort of the same way that we need to start to slowly at the grassroots, start flipping County seats. We need to start flipping mayoral seats um, once you start doing that, you can insulate yourself from a lot of stuff in Sacramento. If you have a county of board of supervisors who's not far left and doesn't believe and doesn't agree with Gavin Newsom, um, they could basically just protect you and insulate you from stuff that he does. Like we saw last year, there were county supervisors who said "No, nah, all businesses are essential and we don't care if you sue us or take our money away. We're going to keep all the businesses open because that's more important than getting a you know, big federal payout bailout money. Um, but there's this idea that we've been talking about progress to purple. Would you take, you know, everybody wants to flip California overnight. Everybody waits for every election to say, Oh, we need to flip California. It, California is like an aircraft carrier. It, it, it takes, it takes a long time to get there. Um, would you take, if you were California, would you go from deep blue to purple in five years? And a lot of people I talk to would say, hell yeah, I would absolutely take a purple competitive battleground state of California in five years. Starts at your local level. Starts at your local level and starts with your county seats and your county parties. Um, And it starts with flipping a lot of legislative seats, which I think we really need to focus on here in California. State legislatures, if anything else, they are becoming more and more powerful against an overreaching federal government because of the power they can do inside their state. We're seeing that in places like Florida, Texas, and Georgia, and Arizona. They're seeing that a lot of state legislatures that are not democratic are pushing back on the Biden administration saying, we don't believe in this. This is what we're going to do to insulate our state from your overreach. Um, and that's basically it. Someone said, much love from Canada. It was brought here by Candace, but staying now because of concise and real you are. Oh, thank you. Yeah. What's up, Canada? There's a lot of conservatives up in Canada as far as I know. You know, they it's just the same it's they get shouted down just like anywhere. Um Watch the red flip into blue too, can't let that happen. Yeah, that's that's another thing too. Like Republicans are very bad at the thing of like they're always on defense it feels like. And for all those people who keep saying, well, we need to go on offense, that's why we need to support someone like Kimberly Klasik, just to bring this all like full circle. Um, Republicans need to get better at, one, defending their seat so that people, we don't lose seats. Like in San Diego County, we it, it was a difference of one county supervisor's seat. That was it. Went from a Republican controlled to Democratically controlled. And now we're starting to see crazy policies come out of our county supervisor. So we gotta get good on defense. But we also have to start looking at seats that we can just blow away the Democrat and start flipping, right? We have to look at seats that we say, Hey, we got a shot because we're close. So let's go ahead and push the envelope in that district and make it happen. Any websites that show where local candidates stand on issues, always hard to find info on local stuff. Uh two sites that I always recommend, especially with when it comes to California, is uh PressCalifornia.com. They're one place I always check first thing in the morning to see what's going on. Uh also uh, flashreport.org is another new site. But if you want to look at like candidates, there's this site called Ballotpedia. Kind of like Wikipedia, but it's called Ballotpedia. And you basically can put in anybody and they will have some sort of information regarding that candidate, what they're running for. And then it'll even give you the district. And then the district will even tell you whether it's D plus or R plus or whatever. And right there, that's all the information you need. You can say like, Hey, this guy, does he have a shot or gal or whoever? Sorry. Don't want to misgender. All the candidates could be guy, gal, whatever. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of things. There's another site called follow the money. Uh, I think it's followthemoney.org, another good site. You can literally put in any candidate and they will have tracked through different sources, through all the sites. And you can get a quick snapshot of like how much money did they raise and how much money did they spend and stuff like that. So you can look up different candidates. Uh, so that is something, can you pin those, please? Um, what I can do is I'll just drop it in my story um, and then you can go check them out there. Uh so just hop on my story after this because I guess I cuz I'm going to be logging off in a minute anyway so um any other last questions thank you again for all the new people thanks for Canada showing up that's awesome international california underground goes international um do you think it's possible to have an honest election regarding Newsom i.e., mail in ballots and voter fraud He's trying his best. Um, add them to the post when you post a video. Oh, yeah, I could do that, too. That's a good idea. Um, he's trying his best to change what's going on. And I think I posted this the other day or yesterday. And I said, uh, if he's so confident he's going to win, why do you need to change all the rules? Right? Makes sense to me. It makes sense makes sense to me. Why would you need to change anything if you're so confident? And he keeps saying, well, I could have the recall tomorrow and I'd win. Okay. Then why do you keep needing to change all the rules? But they're going to try and do anything to get an advantage, especially here in California. And we could have a whole other video. We could have a whole another discussion about why it matters more. Who's in the state legislature here in California than it really matters. Who's sitting in the governor's seat and how it really comes down to like five state Senate seats, that if we can flip five state Senate seats, California will look drastically different the day after they're sworn in. And people, people don't really seem to think that. They think it's just, uh, you need a new governor. That's not true. But if you can flip five state Senate seats and you can flip more state assembly seats, all of a sudden, California looks radically different than it did today. Love to hear your opinion on who the best option for governor is here. Uh, people ask me. Here's my my opinion. Do your research. I do my best to provide enough information. I try to get people on, like an Anthony Tremino. He's been on the podcast. I try to get as many people on. Um, and it's not. It, I will. I've always said it's not about me telling you who is the best option and who would be who you should vote for. That's not my goal. My goal is to provide you information. So you can go and you can make your own guess. It's not about me, my, who I vote for, or who I, I think is the best. Um, I could tell you logistically who I think is the best, um, but we talked about that last week. Was it last week, Brian Burley, or two weeks ago? Brian Burley, if you want to go back to that Instagram Live or that podcast, <coughs> excuse me. Um, that's my goal. My goal is to just give you my analysis and let you guys make the best decision on who it is. I mean, obviously, if it comes down to you know, Newsom versus somebody else, I'm not going to obviously tell you why I think Newsom's the best because I don't think Newsom's the best at anything. Um, Would you consider making merchandise for California Underground? I've been looking at it. I've been looking at it. I'm trying to find a good good distributor for custom stuff. I'm looking locally to see if there's anybody. I want to support local San Diego businesses. Um, So I'm trying to find you know, looking at also logo design and stuff like that. Logo needs to be redone for merchandise. So I'm looking at it. Um, but it's definitely in the works. Also the discord. Uh, if you have not joined the discord, um, there's a link in my bio as well. He has good hair. He's got slicked back hair. Yeah. He needs to work on it. You know, you need to set the, uh, the workout and hit the arms workout a little bit for all the new people. That's why I call him governor noodles. It's because he has little noodly arms, which don't fit on his body. He kind of looks like a weird illusion of, like, it, it, it's weird. He's this big, tall guy, and you see him in a suit all the time. But then he takes, like, his jacket off, and he's got these tiny little noodly arms. And you're like, like, bro, hit the gym, you know? Like, you know, here, take some pre-workout. Go hit the gym. You don't have to be Arnold, but, like, just look a little bit better, you know? Even Don Jr. Don Jr. looks like he needs to hit the gym, too. You know, he needs to bulk up a little bit. Make California swole again, right? Like that's what we need to do. Everybody needs to get to the gym and get, get in shape, make California swole again. I think somebody already came up with that. So I can't make that into merchandise. Um, but that's why for all the new people, when I, if you hear me interchange Newsome and noodles, that's what I call him. I call him noodles. And he's also kind of a noodly guy. You know, he's kind of always wishy-washy. Um, you can't unsee. I can't. I can't unsee it either. You know. I mean, there's a post a while back where I, I showed the picture of him getting a flu shot, um, and he had these tiny little noodly arms, and it made me laugh so hard I couldn't stop laughing at it. Um, yeah. So we can just be healthy. Healthy Americans are good Americans. You know. We need to be healthy. The health of our population is good for, for everybody. All right. So we went a little bit over, um, creatine vaccines. Yeah. Everyone needs to start taking creatine vaccines. Looks Photoshopped. It did look it didn't look, it did, looked right. Like it didn't look like his head fit on his body. Um, I don't know. It's just weird, but make California swole again. Everyone hit the gym. Try and try and do a little bit of work anyway. So I'll finish up this. Uh, thank you to all the new people who hopped on. Everybody who came over from Corentium or Candace Owens. I, it's still weird for me to say that, completely honest. Um, to to see the kind of support, um, and it's just crazy to me. Uh, you know, I started this with a thirty dollar microphone and a little Instagram account, and I just told, I you know, I just kind of kept it to myself and started telling people. Started to find me. Um, so it's amazing where it's gone. I want, I always thank all of you guys for your support and staying on here and staying with me. I always try to work hard to provide informative content and stay on top of this stuff for you and be as transparent, as honest as I can with you about my thoughts and really creating a community where we can all kind of help change California. That's really my goal here. Um, so again, if you like this every week, Wednesday morning, 9am, we do coffee in California politics. This will be the first one. If you want to share it with people just for the audio version, it will be up as a new podcast episode. So you can share it or just listen to it in the car. Um, And if you want to share the video with anybody else who you think wants to get this information or be a part of this, you can share the video. I always post it. Uh, We have now changed the weekly podcast. So the weekly podcast recently has been a lot of guests um, and I'm loving the guests who have been coming on. We've got some more interesting guests coming up that I'm really excited about. Um, One guest who's coming up who wants to talk about uh, China and how it's impacting California. I have talked to Anthony Trimio after we had our podcast. We've talked about me coming back, like as the campaign starts to ramp up, probably going back up there and having another conversation with him about how the campaign's going um, and stuff like that. And I'll keep trying to get local politicians on, state politicians, state legislature, state Senate, county supervisors, all that stuff. I'm trying to get them on as much as possible. So we can give them a platform. Um, I can't promise. Uh I I'm not good at producing videos, so I can't produce any good videos for people to be walking down the street in districts um in red heels. Um and but I at least can have them on a podcast to have a chat for. Is Newsom buddy buddy with China? I don't know. We're gonna have to talk to the expert. He's gonna come on and tell us about it. Um, so yeah. Coffee in California Politics, the new weekly podcast will be at Thursday, 8 p.m. It's live streamed on YouTube. So head over there. If you haven't checked it out again, link is in the bio. Uh, That's where you can be a part of it. You can chat. You can ask questions of the guests. So go over to YouTube. Uh, It's going to be now on Thursdays at 8 p.m. Makes a little easier for people according to the feedback. Um, People want it to be later so they can actually tune in three o'clock on Fridays was not good for people because I guess they were at work. Uh, the Discord, if you haven't joined the Discord, it's great. There's people joining every single day, and it's exciting. It's great. It's not just about, like, it's about connecting with more people um, and other Californians or anybody who really wants to join it and just be a part of this. Um, so you can go to the Discord as well and chat about stuff. Uh, keep it going. Connect with people. Connect with events. What's going on? Political news from different counties uh, and different areas. So that's basically it. Next week, uh won't be doing a. Thursday podcast, but we'll be doing a Monday podcast because of the holiday weekend. So you'll be getting podcasts back to back pretty quickly. With that said, I will... I can't find it. Is it still up? Uh, It's on the podcast episodes. So if you check, it's episode 69. Go to the link in the bio. I'll double check again. I'm pretty sure it's still there um, because people are still listening to it. So it's in the podcast link. If you go to the link in my bio go to podcast episodes and scroll down. You can also find me on Spotify, Apple, or Google. If you like listening to your podcast there, you can also listen there. All right, great. That's all the housekeeping. Thank you again for everyone for logging on. Um, I will continue to keep doing a lot of this informative content and I will chat with you guys next week and the podcast tomorrow at 8 p.m. Later.